He's saving potentially the best moment of his career for last. We'll talk with jockey Eureka Rosa da Silva as he eyes one last big ride before retiring. Plus, he'll be the first Korean horse to run in a Breeders' Cup race. We'll talk about sprint contender Blue Chipper. It's all straight ahead on this edition of In the Gate. They're in the gate. They're about to move in. They roll sack. And they're off. As they move to the top of the It's a hip-hopping finish. This is In The Gate, ESPN's Thoroughbred Racing Podcast. My name is Barry Abrams. You can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. You can get us as well on YouTube, SoundCloud, TuneIn.com or your podcatcher app. And of course, in the Listen tab at ESPN.com. And we want to make sure you vote for us in the upcoming Fan Choice Awards at America's Best Racing. It happens in November in a couple of weeks just after the Breeders' Cup. And yes, Best Racing Podcast is one of the categories. So you know what to do, ITG Army. If you like this show, vote for us in November in the Fan Choice Awards at americasbestracing.net. Very few successful athletes get to end their illustrious careers by going out on top. A handful come to mind. John Elway won Super Bowls in his last two years with the Denver Broncos. Peyton Manning went out with a Super Bowl win for that same team. Ray Bork left the NHL team with which he'll forever be associated, the Boston Bruins, to win a Stanley Cup with Colorado and then jet off into the sunset. It could be the same kind of fairy tale ending to the career of one of the most successful jockeys in North America, Eurico Rosa da Silva, who was ridden primarily at Woodbine Racecourse in Toronto for the past 15 years. The 44-year-old rider will call it a career sometime in mid-December. He's won six Sovereign Awards for Best Rider. The Sovereigns are the Eclipse Awards of Canada. He's been the leading rider at Woodbine five times and won back-to-back Queen's Plates, the Kentucky Derby of Canada. In September, he took down, for what will be the only time, one of the track's signature races— and by so doing, now has a chance to cap his career with a Breeders' Cup win. They come for the home stretch in the Rico Woodbine Mile. Luke Cullen is in the clear down the outside. Emmaus up the rails. They're all across the track. And El Tormenta coming through. God Storm is in front to second El Tormenta. Luke Cullen is there. Raging Bull starting to build a run late. In the lead is God Stormy the Philly. But El Tormenta up the inside. Stride to stride. El Tormenta on the inside in front. And El Tormenta has won the Rico Woodbine Mile. El Tormenta was 44-1 to that day, and now he's being pointed to the Breeders' Cup Mile. He'll no doubt be a long shot there as well, facing the likes of Got Stormy, Higher Power, Uni, and possibly Circus Maximus. But hey, a win for El Tormenta over that group would be a real storybook ending for the career of our next guest, jockey Eureka Rosa da Silva, who joins us for a few minutes here on In the Gate. You've been around long enough to know that 44-to-1 shots don't come in every day, especially in grade 1 races. So what was going through your head as you powered down the lane to win the Woodbine Mile with El Tormenta? Uh, when when I was on the race, I was complete on that moment. I was not thinking winning or, or lose. It was me and him, we both is doing the best we can to, to win the race, right? And uh, I was complete on, on that moment. I was so focused, and all we want is get to the wire first. 
you had had not much experience with that horse before the Woodbine Mile, I think, but he had been a turf sprinter last year at age three. So what do you think made trainer Gail Cox decide to stretch this gelding out a little? Yes, I've been following this horse. He used to go to the lead before, and he was a sprinter. And, uh, you know, they start taking him back, and he learned how to relax, and then they stretch him out. And I think that was the key for him, you know, to learn how to relax. And today he is, I can say that they did very good job because uh, he's, He's uh, not a hard horse to ride. You know, he relaxed very easy for you. As we talked about in our open, you're retiring basically at the top of your game. What made now the right time? The right time for me is that I'm young to start a new business and my kids. I really want to focus on my family. You've said that you grew up without family and... You don't want that to happen to your three young children, including a nine-month-old daughter. Congratulations. What do you mean that you grew up without family? When I was a kid, my mom was always working. I completely grew up pretty much without my father. And that almost create a, a black hole inside yourself, you know. Uh, as much I want to win before in the races, and I used to have a lot of anger, and I didn't know until I started work on myself and that came from being a kid that most of the time working or in the street, uh, you know, trying to make a live. And when I start understanding more of that and I see how important for the kids to have their parents supporting them when they're growing up, you know, and because I didn't have that. And also I want to enjoy seeing my son, my daughter having that with me. You know, it's nothing better for myself, I can say that, when I'm not tired and I can take my kids to the park and play with them. It's very satisfying for me because I race all the time here and take a lot from my body, and it's very hard for me to do that. Well, two things. First of all, I hate to break this to you, but eventually those kids are going to become teenagers. I have one, and it's not really going very well. So, yes, enjoy it all now while you can. Uh, the other thing is you said you're racing here. And, you know, as a top jockey, you'd have less trouble than less successful jockeys would in booking mounts if you followed the money during colder months, let's say to Florida, to Kentucky. But you've not really done that, it seems. I believe you even once turned down a Breeders' Cup ride to race at Woodbine instead that day. So what is your thought process for how you have set your schedule? Uh, in the winter time, uh, people think, uh, oh, he's home, he's that. But you know what? I really working on myself. I have so many things that I need to work inside myself to come through to the Eureka is, is showing up on the track, you know, and it's the time that I really, really set myself down and work on the brain. I, I really, I never stop working. On the entire year, probably I'll, t I'll take two weeks like when I'm free, I say I'm not going to do anything and just be with the family. Other time I'm, is, is the time that I have time to work with myself or inside myself. Jockey Eureka Rosa da Silva joining us here on In the Gate. Now, of the many wins that you have had, there's one, I believe, in particular that sticks in your mind. Big Red Mike leads for a come-and-get-me-mile. And flying around horses on the far outside, here comes Moment of Majesty. It is still 
big red Mike. He's running his eyeballs out. Holtz up on the outside. Ron Inish and Mob the Warrior. Big red Mike trying to hold on for one more 16th. Big red Mike has scored a smashing victory to win the Queen's Plate. And that was the second of your back-to-back wins in the race. What made that one so special? Uh, that day the Queen was here. And uh, it was such a big deal for us when the Queen, oh, the Queen's coming to the race. And I remember for three weeks in the road, like my mind wants to think about the Queen, and I'm just blocking that. All I have to do <laughs> is in doing my exercise, uh, focus what I can control. And it was very tough for me to block that. And then when I cross the wire, yes, I can think about the queen now because I am going to see her, you know? <laughs> what was that like? Oh, it was a very special day. It was very special, very special day. What is she like? You know, when you talk to her, she come across like a very peaceful person and a person that really loved horses. You know, it was a very hot day. You know, she stayed there, watched the races, and you can see the joy on her face that, She's watching the races and and talk about the horses, you know? Of course, every rider also talks about the big one that got away, much like fishermen do. And in your case, that would be 10 years ago in the Breeders' Cup at Santa Anita, just like it'll be this year, with a two-year-old named Biofuel. And suddenly wide open, Connie and Michael can find no more. Blind luck can't, here's Biofuel. Oh, Biofuel just got negligee, shifted wide out. On the inside, Shebe Wild eventually got through down there. Shebe Wild, then I want to... Shebe Wild has won the Breeders' Cup, Juvenile. Beautician got second. Biofuel wound up finishing fourth, what do you remember about that race and that aftermath? Man, I, I remember my horse was traveling so easy, and I, and I have a very good pace to run. And, you know, I turned home with a lot of horses. and But right on the, I believe, on the eighth pool, and another horse just came across me like a T, like T on my horse. Like, I just see this horse crash on, crash on me, and I took all my chance, you know, and She's still coming back and run fourth. That day was the day for me to win. Now, you've also finished second in the sprint the year before with Fatal Bullet. He finished two lengths behind Midnight Loot, who ran an incredible 107 flat to win, one of Bob Baffert's all-time favorites. Uh, What do you remember about that race? Man, that day, I remember very well that day. Uh, My horse is running so hard. I, I was hard to believe somebody was passing him like the way he was running so fast, but it was a tremendous race. For me, I feel like it's like a winner. You know, the horse went there and he runs so hard and, and hey, they run 107 that day. What are you going to complain about, you know, finishing second? That was pretty incredible. So you have come close, but I mean, what would it mean to win a Breeders' Cup race in this, your 11th and presumably final attempt? It means a lot for me. You know, it's an international race where you're going to run against horse all over the world. And, you know, it's a Breeders' Cup. Every single jockey in their mind, they, they dream to win a Breeders' Cup, and I'm one of them. Now, five or so years ago, I think it was, you met a girl who became arguably your biggest fan, a girl named Alexandria Tersini. 
She was born with all kinds of health problems, including cerebral palsy, seizures, lupus, and other stuff, too. What was it like spending time with her and with her family? Uh, man, it's, it's another thing. It's, uh, you know, slowly, slowly, we build up a friendship. And uh, she was there cheers for me in the race all the time. And, uh, you know, when many times came to, like, I having bad days and she was cheering me up there, you know, supporting me. And it was unbelievable how great she was in my life. And, uh, and it was, was great for me to spend time with her, you know. But it's it still because we are so busy in the race and she was so many, like she has so much health problem. And I think I didn't spend enough time with her. I think I could do more. But, you know, on that time, I was doing the best I could. When I see her, that's, you know, a little bit before she passed away. And, uh, man, it was very painful. i be honest with you. I walked from the, I remember I walked from her house. And I was just crying. And, you know, all I wish is, and think about the family. The family was really suffering. And if I said to myself, if I can carry that pain from the family, I would. It was very painful. Well, Alexandria Tersini died in 2015, and soon afterward, Woodbine Racecourse held a ceremony for her. How did she become such a part of the overall scene at Woodbine? She was very special. I can tell you one thing. You know, special people, they come across. She was very cheerful in the race and uh, and every jock loves her you know she become i was the first one to make friends with her but end of her days every jock loves her everybody knows who she was you know slowly slowly she came popular in the race she was very charismatic person it certainly seems that way and how much does that and what you were talking about with your family earlier influence what your next career path will be i've heard you wanted to become a life coach for athletes yes i'm going to be a mental coach for athletes that is my goal once i stop uh, writing and that's what i'm going to do what does that mean that means every game won or lose is in the mind right i will work with athletes give them support to manage stress manage energy it's very important how you manage your energy and it's a lonely business, you know, being an athlete. And the more you claim the, the letter, man, the, the, the lonely you're going to get. Well, certainly the fewer the people that can understand what you're going through. Yes. And I, being there, doing the work for myself, put my mind where I can control and leave what I can control and managing, blocking all the distraction. And uh, that's what I'm going to work with athletes. Speaking of blocking out distractions, we talked about how the Breeders' Cup will be run at Santa Anita as it was 10 years ago. Surely you know what's happened this year at Santa Anita. I don't think we need to spell that out. How concerned are you about that? I'm very focused on what I can control, what I have no control, and I'm trying to not think about. My job is to get there, be fully focused on the horse that they've been fully focused and connected with my horse, and i doing that job, I think I'm doing well. 
the rest really is not, I, I can't say much because it's not under my control. Well, in terms of your horse, then, what kind of scenario would you want to see play out for El Tormento when the gates open for the Breeders' Cup mile? Race is un- unpredictable, but if hopefully we have some pace to run, that's what we wish for. Once we have some pace to run, we'll be, we'll be fine. And we certainly wish you the best of luck there. And on into your second career. We should all live long enough to be able to maintain second careers. Thank you so much for a few minutes, Mr. De Silva. Thank you so much, Barry, and I appreciate for your time. Thank you. The Korea Racing Association has imported a lot of American bloodstock to bolster their industry. Now one of theirs is coming back here. Can Blue Chipper bring home one of this country's top prizes? We'll discuss when we come back. Welcome back to In the Gate. It will be a first at this year's Breeders' Cup when a horse from South Korea comes over to compete. Into the straight in the Korea Sprint. And it is Gaon Chap and Blue Chipper. They lead by about three lengths. Blue Chipper and Gaon Chap, they're going nose to nose. Gaon Chap on the far side. Blue Chipper on this side. Blue Chipper from Gaon Chap. And Blue Chipper has ground Gaon Chap down. And Blue Chipper is going on to win the Korea Sprint. Blue Chipper wins it. Blue Chipper, who is American bred, which we'll discuss in a couple of moments, has won five in a row this year, including that Korea sprint over an international field. He won two of his three starts at age two, then was away from the races for almost a year and a half due to a bunch of little injuries. So he's won seven of eight career starts, but none like he'll experience in the Breeders' Cup sprint, where he's likely to face domestic grade one winners Imperial Hint, Promises Fulfilled, and Chancelot. To get a little perspective on both the horse and the significance of his appearance in the Breeders' Cup, we welcome in Ryu Seung-ho, General Manager of the International Department of the Korea Racing Authority. Let's start with Blue Chipper. Before his win in the Korea Sprint, he obliterated by over a second the one-mile track record at Busan Racecourse in the southern part of the country in July. He ran 136.1. So why did his connections choose to cut him back to six furlongs? Uh, because the connections, they also had a run in the cup. So uh, because they didn't want to, to compete their own horses together in the same race. And they see the blue chipper has a good pace, good early pace. So uh, they were very confident to, to run him in the sprint race. How do you think the travel and quarantine will affect his preparation? Uh, at the moment, so far it's very good. Is that uh, the, we have to be quarantined uh, near the Los Angeles airport, and then we are able to move him to the Santa Anita on 24th. So um, the isolation period is a little bit of our concern, but we believe that he is a very good traveler, and then. As long as nothing happened to him during the quarantine, then uh, we believe the, not that much affected by the older travel. Well, I mean, what, if anything, can the connections do to prepare for that travel so that when Blue Chipper lands in Los Angeles, he's as good as he can be? What can you do to prepare for that? Yeah, because considering the older short period of time for the blue chipper adjusting himself in the environment of the United States. 
we uh, already ordered the, the feed from Australia because in Korea we feed him the Australian feed and uh, when I checked in the, the United States we cannot get those feed so um, we urgently order the feed from Australia because we are not sure whether we suddenly change the feed then the weather host can uh, maintain his uh, condition so um, divide all the feed into one one set into the quarantine and then the, the other set into the Santa Anita. So our preparation can be the feed or just smoke and then the, we will bring the, his usual work rider so uh, we can we'll be able to check him on the track after the quarantine. Now this horse is run in South Korea, but he's 100% American bred and for the dirt by Tisnow out of Dixie City, a daughter of Dixie Union. So for those listening who are not familiar with Korean racing, what has been the strategy in terms of importing bloodstock of using American horses compared with horses from other countries? The, our breeding industry only started from the mid-80s, and now we can see our breeding stocks are getting developed similar to the international level, but we still need to compare the Korean bread and the overseas bread. But um, the owners and the trainers, they have experienced the importing horses from um, many other countries. And then they learn that uh, with a similar price level, the U.S. bread horses are better than other countries for in the in the Korean racing environment. So... They are really uh, keen to have a very good yearlings and the two-year-old horses from the United States. So they traveled to the the Keenan sale in September and the Fossil Tipton sale and then the November breeding stock sale in Keenan. So they are quite traveling a lot to the United States. How is the country doing at this point with horses that are bred in Korea instead of coming from abroad? Uh, the horse, I may say that in two years, about two years ago, the Korean bred horse Power Blade and the Triple Nine, they ran really well in the Dubai. So um, I can see some top, top rated Korean bred horses are about international, uh, say, the grade three and the listed level. And I can see Blue Chipper, he's about the. Uh, International rated about 110, so he's about the edge of the qualified for, to get in the international group one races. So I may say there are some gap between the grade three and then the grade one. So I may say the Korean bred horses they can be competitive in the grade three races, and then some good quality imported horses they can run in the grade two or grade one races. Dubai last winter, as you mentioned. Now the peninsula has its first Breeders' Cup runner. Did you expect these results to be happening now, or is the plan behind schedule or ahead of schedule? Uh, no, we, we expected it could happen very soon, but um, this year is a little bit earlier than our expectation. Why do you say that? Uh, because uh, the first time we run in the international Group one race it was earlier this year when the Dolkong was able to get in the, the Dubai World Cup, and then now we are started to think of 
spread out the, uh, the whether we can run in the other international G1 race. And we can see for the dot host, we see the the Breeders' Cup and then the Dubai World Cup Carnival and the Dubai World Cup can be the, our destination. And then we've been experienced in Dubai. And so now we are getting very familiar with the Dubai racing environment. But um, the Breeders' Cup, because the condition is a bit different from other international races, so we haven't really thought of we can run this year. But uh, now I can see the blue chipper, his condition is fit for the British Cup, so uh, we are trying. Ryo Seung-ho, General Manager of the International Department of the Korea Racing Authority, joins us here on In the Gate. He'll be among those accompanying blue chipper to California. I've read estimates that a quarter of the country's population of 52 million people attend horse races, which is partially, I guess, because of the other entertainment that exists at these tracks, which is a bit different from what we have here. Can you explain for us what the total experience at a track in Korea is like? The people say, I may say the, uh, the normal attendance at the service track is about 40,000 people on a regular basis. And then the, some big race meeting like a Korea Cup, we, we have about 50,000 people. And our track record for the attendance is uh, over 77,000. Because I can say that because we don't have a, at the moment, online betting, and then they cannot watch the races at home. So the people, they really want to enjoy the races and the thrill of the horses running at the race course. So the people in the weekend, they would like to come to the race course and the race course itself, we would like to make more family, family-friendly race course. So uh, inside of the track, we we had a kind of a family park, so the people can enjoy the, their picnic in the weekend. So the people who has a very uh, diverse demand, like a picnic or the serious betting, and the picnic and the betting combined, they can. We, the, we can uh, provide all the customized service to the customer. So that's how the people can come to the race course frequently and they up to their satisfaction. So that kind of things, I may say that the race course in Korea, how can be look like. And I read that uh, one of the tracks called Let's Run Park has a horse-themed amusement park, and others have pony rides and simulation machines. Uh, what kinds of things are there? Yes, the park you mentioned is the inside of the track. And in summer, we installed a kind of a swimming pool, temporary swimming pool, and we do the kind of a, the poolside party the inside of the track. So that kind of activities can be very exotic. And the, in spring, we have a cherry blossom flowers uh, festival. And in autumn, we do the autumn leaves festival. In winter, we do the snowfall festival. And summer, the swimming pool and the poolside party festival. So it can be uh, the only around the festivals. Let's talk for a moment about Blue Chipper's trainer, Kim Young-Kwan. He's basically 
the Bob Baffert or Todd Pletcher of South Korea with a constant stream of expensive horses that win a big share of group-level races there, how did Kim become the country's best trainer? As you said, he is a five-times derby-winning trainer and five-times Korean Oaks-winning trainer and five-times President Cup-winning trainer. And also, I may add up the five-times Grand Prix uh, winning trainer, and he has been uh, 11 times champion trainer in Korea, and he has taken horses to Dubai and Singapore, and no longer travel. No, he is not not a stranger to the traveling, and maybe he is a very uh, smart trainer, and he knew how to select the race and uh, which horse to get in. And other than different from other trainer. He checked not only his horses, but also all the horses at the racetrack. So when he declared the horse, he compared the field, the, the entry, he analyzed the entry, and then he get the very right horse in the right race. So that, I, I believe that makes him very successful. You must know about the difficulties that Santa Anita, host of this year's Breeders' Cup, has had this year. How concerned are you about this situation? Um, actually, we 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 concerned about it, but um, the Santa Anita is um, we believe there is a kind of a the world competitive race course, and the, actually in in this sport. Accident can happen every time and everywhere. So if the matter we just little bit of care, not that much concerned. So yeah, we concerned about it, but um, we didn't that much care because uh, the many horses are still running in the Santanita, and then the many group races we can see in the Santanita. So. Um, if it happens, then it can be a just bad luck, I think. The Breeders' Cup Sprint will happen very early Sunday morning in Korea. How much of the country do you think will be watching? That's the problem, because um, that's why we would like to download... Uh, we will discuss the matter with the Breeders' Cup company, and then we will try to download it from YouTube, or we will show them, not the real time, but um, the during the day meeting. Interesting. On a on a broadcast channel there, you mean? Um, the Korean broadcasting channel, they are not a big fan of racing, so um, only when there's uh, some uh, special issue, they will broadcast the races and places online because the government restriction is too harsh, so they cannot broadcast live. So this will be on some kind of simulcast channel, or where will it be seen? Uh, we, at the moment, by law, we cannot simulcast overseas race. We can, we, the best we can do is the watching only. So uh, because the considering the time, 8 a.m. in the morning, we will not be, that many people can come to the race course, so um, we will play it during the race meeting in the afternoon. Oh, you'll play it at the track in the afternoon. At the track, yes. At the track and all the OCB centers. 
Interesting. Well, we certainly wish you the best of luck traveling and racing in California, Mr. Rio. Thank you so much for a few minutes and the best of luck. Okay, thank you very much. Our thanks to Rios Young-Ho and Eureka Rosa da Silva. It was a bit surprising to see that Churchill Downs Incorporated, which said it would buy a rival to Turfway Park, instead will buy the track that sits alongside Cincy Airport. But will CDI's reimagining find its mark? They plan to rip the grandstand down when the winter meet is over. Does that sound like what they did in Florida? At GP West, what used to be Calder, there's no grandstand anymore. They demolished every bathroom and corridor. But the goal at Turfway is historical racing, a type of slot machine that's based on old but actual horse races. CDI could make lots of money, and it appears then at Turfway, live racing would be something CDI embraces. While I don't think this should label Churchill as looking out for racing, and at times I feel they'd rather shut it down, this move will help solidify the sport in the Commonwealth, a development on which I cannot frown. You can get us on SoundCloud, YouTube, TuneIn.com, and your podcatcher app, and of course in the Listen tab at ESPN.com. And we want to make sure you vote for us in the upcoming Fan Choice Awards at America's Best Racing. It happens in November after the Breeders' Cup. And yes, Best Racing Podcast is one of the categories. So you know what to do, ITG Army. If you like this show, vote for us in November in the Fan Choice Awards at americasbestracing.net. And you can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. That's in the gate for this week. I'm Barry Abrams. We'll see you next time.